hello and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Discovery Point Church. What an awesome time of worship to be reminded just how great our great God and King really is. Y'all ready for Christmas? Amen. If you're joining us online, welcome to Discovery Point Church. We're glad that you are here, and hopefully one day we will see you back in the sanctuary. But until then, just know that we love you, and we miss seeing you. And I got to tell you, I am ready for Christmas to be over. (laughs) Now, let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for a great time of worship, and we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that our worship has been a sweet sound in your ear, and we pray that Uh, Lord, as we come to your word, that you would speak to us, that you give us understanding, that you would prick our hearts as we consider the, the good news of great joy and what that means and what it ought to mean to each and every one of us. And so, Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears to hear what you would have to say to us today. And we ask this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, really, that was kind of a half-truth because I really am happy that one day it'll all be over. Because have you seen the traffic? And then you get into the stores early, and it's like there are already people here, and you've got this mass of people in and out, and it's kind of frustrating. Then you go home, and there's more traffic. Who's ready for it to be over? Amen. You sound like the story that is told about the Christmas story. And it's really a look at the reality of Christmas today. And it goes something like this. And there there were, in the same country, children keeping watch over their stockings by the fireplace. And lo, Santa Claus came upon them, and they were sore afraid. And Santa said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people who can afford them. For unto you will be given great feasts of turkey, dressing, and cake, and many presents, and this will be a sign for you. You shall find the presents wrapped in bright paper, lying beneath the tree, adorned with tinsel, colored balls, and lights. And suddenly there will be with you a, a multitude of relatives and friends praising you and saying, Thank you so much, it's just what I wanted. And it shall come to pass, as the friends and relatives have gone away into their own homes, the parents shall say to one another, darn it, what a mess to clean up. I'm tired. Let's just go to bed and pick up tomorrow. Thank goodness Christmas only comes once a year. And they go with haste to their cold bed and find their desired rest. Now, I hope that's none of us who sees Christmas in that light. And for the last three weeks, we've been looking at the message of Christmas, at this good news of great joy. And just a few weeks ago, Pastor Greg talked about this this great inconvenience in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, where we we got to eavesdrop on this young couple, a, a husband and his wife, who's probably between 12 and 15, as they've been forced because of a census to travel from Galilee, some 70 miles southeast to to Bethlehem, so that they could, number one, register for the census, which means more taxes. 
but also because God needed to get them there because he's about to do something wonderful. But I've been thinking about this as I've been prepping for today. What makes the good news of great joy? Really, good news of great joy. Is it the presence under the tree? Is it, is it family getting together? Is, is it the food that when we, we go and we overeat and we feel good? What makes the good news of great joy really good news of great joy? Well, I want to set the context for us this evening. Sherwood Wirt does a great job of making this picture clear. And so the time frame is probably 5 to 3 B.C. And here's the context. The people at that time are, are, are heavily taxed and faced every prospect of a sharp increase to cover expanding military expenses. The threat of world domination by, by a cruel, ungodly, power-intoxicated band of men was ever just below the threshold of consciousness. More deterioration had corrupted the upper levels of society and was moving rapidly into the broad base of the populace. Intense feelings of nationalism were clashing openly with new and sinister forms of imperialism. Conformity was the spirit of the age, and government handouts were being used with increasing lavishness to, to keep the population from rising up and throwing out their leaders. Interest rates were spiraling upwards in the midst of an inflated economy. External religious observances were considered a political asset, and there was this abnormal emphasis on sporting events and in athletic competitions. Racial tensions were really at the, the breaking point. Now, I realize this is nothing like today. But there was something else on top of this, and that was this. God hasn't spoken to Israel in some 400 years. Since the Italian prophet Malachi or Malachi penned his last letter, God has been silent. And 400 years have passed. God has not sent a prophet. He hasn't sent an angel. There's been no burning bush. There's been no cave. There's been no nothing. God has been silent, as though he has abandoned Israel. And as we saw last week, Concerning the good news of great joy, there are shepherds in the fields tending to their flocks in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And all of a sudden, this bright light envelops the darkness. I call that kind of the X-Files moment. You know, one minute the shepherds are in the dark with probably a fire watching their sheep. And then this bright and glorious light suddenly surrounds them and dispels the darkness. And they panic and become afraid. And the angel says, fear not. If you're from Arkansas, don't be scared, is what he would say. But he has good news of great joy. He tells them, I bring you good news of great joy, which is to be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there is born for you a Savior. Don't miss that. A Savior has been born for you. And the Savior is going to deliver them. 
The angel said, he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one Israel has been waiting for. And what I find interesting is this. The, the rabbis taught that when the Messiah comes, they said that he would bring national greatness. They said that he would bring about a new era and a wonderful era. They said that the world would show signs of utter demoralization before his arrival and the conditions of life would be unbearable. And then he would come. But he is the Christ. And he is also Lord. He is the sovereign one, ruler over all creation. Not Caesar. But this babe that we've come to tell you about, he is Lord. And the angel tells the, the shepherds, here's the sign you will see, that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. That is the good news of great joy. And today in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 20, we're going to see the great response. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me if you haven't already to Luke chapter 2. Verses 15 through 20, where we see the great response and we see the reaction of the lowly. Look at verses 15 through 16 with me. When the angels had gone away from them into, into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And there's this sense of excitement and awe among the shepherds that God would speak to them and let them know that. There's a Savior born for you. He is the Messiah. He is born this very day. There's a sense of, let's go straight to Bethlehem. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go straight to Bethlehem. Let's make haste. And there's a sense of excitement at the message of the angels. There's a sense of excitement because of the good news of great joy. There's a sense of excitement because God has spoken to his people. And he has not left us alone. He hasn't abandoned us. But he didn't speak to kings. And he didn't speak to Caesar. He didn't speak to the high priest, nor did he speak to the religious leaders. But he spoke to the lowly, unclean, unwanted, unkept, unable to enter the temple and worship their God, shepherds. Men who are perpetually unclean, who probably smell like the sheep. And sheep don't smell very good, if you've ever smelled sheep. But God spoke to them and brought this good news of great joy to the lowliest of the low. Here's what I find interesting. Because the scripture talks about God as a shepherd. For example, in Isaiah 40, verse 11, the scripture says this, Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock, talking about God. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Jeremiah also taught that God is like a shepherd. In Jeremiah 31, verse 10, Jeremiah says this, Hear the word of the Lord. O nations, and declare in the coastlands afar off, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. And even Ezekiel speaks of God as a shepherd. 
In Ezekiel 34, verse 12, Ezekiel says this, As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he, he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. So I find it interesting that the God who, who is characterized as a shepherd would speak to the lowly shepherds first to tell them that there is good news of great joy. And so back in Luke chapter 2, the search begins and these shepherds leave their flock and they hurriedly go to Bethlehem to see this sign. Now remember, it's dark. So you got to take a flashlight or your bick, one of the two. And so they take a torch. And Luke says they made haste and went straight to Bethlehem. They took the angel at his word. There was no question of, did we really experience that? Did that really just happen? There's no question about, was it something that we ate? They took this angel at his word. They believed what the angel had told them, and they went to see the sign. Some of us are still waiting to hear from God. And I bet there's some in this room today and online who are waiting to hear from God, who are looking for a word from the Lord. Well, let me encourage you with this. You don't have to wait 400 years to hear from God. You don't even have to wait four minutes to hear from God. The writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, he says this. He says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets, and um, in, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us through his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. The scripture says everything God the Father wanted to say. He's already said, and he said it through Jesus Christ, his son. So if you're waiting to hear from God, let me encourage you to pick up God's word and begin to read it, and God will begin to speak to you from his word. Somebody once said, if you want to hear, God, hear God's word, read his word, read it. If you want God to speak to you audibly, Read it out loud. But either way, God has already spoken. And he has spoken to us through Jesus. And we have what Jesus wanted us to know in his words. Let me encourage you. You're looking for God. You're looking for a word from the Lord. Get into his word. And believe it. And trust that it is true like these shepherds did. They trusted that what God said was true. Look at verse 16, Luke chapter 2. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. So with great haste, they went to Jerusalem. I'm sorry, to Bethlehem. But don't get in your mind the hallmark scene where you've got Joseph kneeling here. You've got Mary kneeling here. You've got the donkey and the camel and the cow back here. And it's just kind of this serene, peaceful scene. Remember, all the Israelites were told to go back to your place of origin, go back to your hometown. And so Jerusalem, Bethlehem excuse me, is packed with people, so much so that 
the scripture tells us there was no room in the inn. And don't think Holiday Inn. Don't even think Motel 6. Inns were dangerous places. But there were so many people in Bethlehem that you couldn't get a place in the inn. And in the region, by the way, there were many caves. And so they could have been in a cave taking shelter. But in my mind, I see, think of refugee camp with people upon people upon people who've been told to go to Bethlehem to be counted for the census. And so think myriads of people in caves and homes camped out waiting to be counted. And the shepherds leave, have left their flocks and they're, oh, excuse me, as they step over and around people looking for a place where they might find a feeding trough. And in my mind, I see them looking for animals and listening for animals as they walk through and tiptoe in the night, walking over and around people. And eventually and finally, someone goes, he's here, he's over here. And they come to see the babe and they find their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. And so look at the report of the lowly. Look at verse 17 with me. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. I find it interesting that they go looking for the child. They go, here he is. And they gather around. And then they tell Mary and Joseph and the folks around him, here's why we are gawking at your baby. And they report what they have seen. They made known what the angel had told them. Next slide, please. They said, we were out in the fields, and people were around and camped around them listening to this story. I mean, she just had a baby in the middle of the night. There's some people awake around her. And they tell what they have experienced, that we were in the fields watching our flocks when suddenly this bright and glorious light surrounded us, and this angel began to speak to us and told us, don't be afraid, but that he's bringing us good news. That today that there is born to us a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be for all the people. And he told us that we'd find him wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, and we found him. And I can see people listening in to the shepherd's story. And look at verse 18. Look at the reaction to the lowly. All, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. There are people who around are listening and are amazed at the story with the bright light and the angels and this angel chorus. And then they go away and it's dark again. And then they come and they find this babe that's just been born. And he's the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is Lord. And it's incredible. It is an incredible story. And this is just a regular baby lying in a nasty, dirty, sloppy feeding trough. But he is king of kings and he is lord of lords. Look at Mary's response in verse 19. As everybody is kind of awestruck and amazed at the story. What's Mary doing? Verse 19. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. As the shepherds tell their story and what happened to them. And everybody's in amazement. Mary's kind of taking it all in. 
And she's hanging on every word that the angels have said about her child to the shepherds. And it's as though they are these, these jewels that she's gathering together and she's putting them in a safe place. She's treasuring them, preserving them, pondering, putting it all together, trying to understand what does it all mean. I mean, after all, the angel Gabriel spoke to her in Luke chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, an angel comes to Joseph, her husband, in a dream and speaks to him. And now these shepherds show up and an angel has spoken to them. There is something going on. See, they've said that her son, Gabriel told her, your son would be called son of the most high. That he would be given the throne of his father, David. That he would rule over the house of Jacob, that is Israel, forever. And that his kingdom would have no end. To Joseph, her husband, the angel told him that you will call his name Jesus. And that he is going to save his people. Not from the government. Not from taxes. Excuse me. But from their sins. And the angels told the shepherds that this is the Savior. He is Messiah. And he is Lord. And Mary is putting all of these things together about her child. This child who's lying in a manger, who is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, and so much more. This baby is the creator of all things, and he holds all things together, even while he's lying in this feeding trough. He is God in human flesh. And he's come to die because he loves humanity so much that he's going to give his life on a cross. And he is going to shed his blood so that men can have peace with God the Father and have their sins forgiven. That is the good news of great joy. That men can have peace with God. That we can have our sins forgiven. That we can have, get this, peace when there's sickness. Peace when there's cancer in the diagnosis. We can have peace when there's too much month at the end of our money. That we can have peace when the world hates us and, and persecutes us. To know that we can have fellowship with God like it was supposed to be at the very beginning because of what Jesus has done for us. To know that we can have our sins forgiven and that God will love us and be for us. Hell is real. The lake of fire is real. Heaven is real. And I don't need a movie to tell me that. God's word says so. And we have to make a decision concerning this good news of, of great joy. And the shepherds made a decision to take what they've heard, to go find the sign and then share what they had seen and experienced. And look at the response of the lowly in verse 20. The shepherds went back, back to their flocks. 
glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. They went back praising God because what they had heard and seen is true. Jesus is our Savior. He is the Messiah. And He is Lord. And so they went back glorifying God. To glorify means to acknowledge, uh, to recognize, to celebrate, to influence one's opinion about God so as to enhance His reputation. That's to talk of God so much that other folks want to worship Him too. And they, they, they praised him to, to express approval, to speak of the excellence of the greatness of. I, um, I taught, a, taught a small group on Thursday nights, and we finished up Revelation this past Thursday. And it was a great study. But when the, when the last students left, and don't tell them I told you this, but when they left, I just, I stood in the room in awe of what God had done over the last year and a half. Not that I was such a great teacher, but that God has taught, had taught us so much through his word about the fact that his word is true and that we can trust him. And I just begin to give God praise, not because of me, but because of what he had done in all of our lives. And these shepherds are doing the very same thing. They are praising and glorifying God because they found the sign. They found the Messiah. They found the Savior. They found the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. God has spoken to Israel and he's spoken to us, lowly shepherds. You know, God's word is true. Sometimes it's hard for us to read it and believe it, but it's absolutely true. The writer of Psalms 12 says this in Psalm 12, verse 6. He says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. That's pure. And God's word is absolutely true. And one day Jesus is going to return to this earth. And when he returns, where will he find you? See, if he's your Lord and Savior, and he comes back, that's going to be a day to rejoice. If we don't leave this earth to go be with him, that'd be a day to rejoice because our Lord and Savior has come back. But if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, then you will find yourself in a literal hell being tormented consciously forever and ever. And I agree with Pastor Gray. This message is too important to be flippant about it. Jesus has brought peace with God the Father. Not a truce, but peace. And Jesus never said, you won't have any problems. But what he did say was this, I'll be with you when you go through your problems. And I think that's a great comfort. It ought to be a great comfort to all of us. Here's the thing. You can't work your way into God's good graces because we're not good enough. We're not handsome enough. We're not beautiful enough. We don't make enough. We can't do enough. We can't do it in and of ourselves. 
But God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, his only begotten son, to take your place and my place on the cross. And what do we have to do? We have to believe the gospel and place our faith and our trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. Acts 4.12, the, the, the apostles say this, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus Christ. And if he is not your Savior, I implore you, don't let today pass you. Don't let this moment pass you by without believing the gospel and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I say that because tomorrow is not promised to us. And if you don't believe me, if, if the Lord wills and you get up in the morning, read the obituary. See who didn't make it. We've got to believe the gospel. Here's the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 5. Paul says this, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you were saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, verse 3, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. That's the gospel. That God sent his son to die. And he died on a cross, a horrible death. Shed his blood and was buried for three days. But he didn't stay in the grave because three days later he rose again. And he showed himself to the apostles and to over 500 brethren at one time. Here's the proof. I'm alive. And we can trust that. Well, what do I do? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 and 11. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you might be saved. Is that what that says? No, it says you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. As we celebrate the birth of Jesus, let's remember the reason for the season. Why is there so much joy in the air? Because a Savior has been born for us. Jesus is the reason for the season. Don't leave this place without knowing him, without giving your life over to him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, your word is true. And we just pray that as we embark upon Christmas Day, that we would remember why we celebrate. Why the carols? Why the joy that is in the air? And Lord, like the shepherds, help us not to, to keep this under wraps, but to go and share this good news of great joy with everyone that we encounter, to let them know that, Lord, that you love sinners and that you died to save them. 
and that there is no sin that is so heinous that you won't forgive. Lord, may you use us today just like these shepherds to share what we have seen in our own lives and what we have heard from your word that others might be encouraged. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.